Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Nice. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Great News with Kevin Ryder and Mike Catherwood. Today's a very special episode, Kevin. <clears throat> Intro! The show's about to begin, bro! Yeah. So say hello to the happy goodbye to the blues, because Kevin and Mike and Bob are here to give you great news! We have a guest. Boom. I'm here. Hit, hit the music. Intro music. Go. Bob Dole, everybody. <laughs> Bob Barker, everyone. Bob Balaban. I love Bob Saget. Yes. Now about hey, Bob. To witness the hey, how are Bob you? Saget. It's great Bob. music. This is working. Saget. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, it's How you been, Bob? I'm really good. I'm in quarantine with my wife, Kelly. Uh, she's as far away from me as she could possibly be. Don't and, blame her. Uh, no. I mean, who would want to be near me all the time? When we're binging. We're binging on things, and I'm working. I finished a script, not reading one, but I wrote one. And, uh, right. and I'm just uh, doing my podcast all the time. So welcome. Welcome. This is exciting that you guys are doing this. I mean, I, I want to ask you about your podcast. It is um, supposedly... supposedly the number one podcast by a comedian ever. Yeah, that's what we put on there in Laurel's like Con Film Festival as a joke, because if you look, <laughs> if you look at the Bob, rankings, it is not. Bob Saget's here for you. I'm actually glad you're doing a podcast because um, you're, you're obviously a very funny guy. You're a very talented guy, but you're, you're someone who's good at conversation. And um, I'm sorry, I'm good at what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot, actually, a lot of comics tend not to be. You know, I feel yeah. like there's a there's a divide between being a there's a lot of comics who can only work into their stand up. Mm -hmm. They can't actually have a conversation with you, which are, which is fine. I mean, you know, they have, they're valuable in their own way, but some people just don't enjoy riffing. I love performing of any kind. Um, that's why I do a lot of adult films, um, <laughs> you know, on eight millimeter. I kept the projector, but no, because you, you're a purist. I really am. I want to go back to old school. I like grain. But when I wake up in the morning, I'm I'm pretty positive um, once I wake up, you know, around 4 or 5 p.m. But sure. I, I, I'm looking to entertain people. And, um, you know, I, I can't tour. I can't film anything right now. I was supposed to, I was offered some movie to do. And I'm just, it's not safe right now. So I'm not, I've done a couple TV shows. I have done that. I did, uh, you know, uh, what is it? I can see your voice with Ken Jeong and Masked Singer. I was in that that mascot outfit singing. Um, <laughs> so that's how badly I wanted to, to to do anything. That four years, I said, I'm not ever. No, thank you for inviting me. I love you all at Masked Singer. I love Ken and Robin Thicke, but I can't. And then this time during quarantine, it's like the four months ago. And they said, you want to be on Masked Singer? I said, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you get to wear a mask. It does seem built right in. Well, I, well, I was a squiggly to... monster. That's it and right there. That's a squiggly monster. It was a, I, I did two songs, and, and uh, I was really good. I wanted to keep going. I didn't really realize it was a competition. <laughs> well, I have, I've talked to two people who have done the show, uh, Dr. Drew and Tommy Chong. Right. And both of them said it was, it was really, it was a ton of fun. They really enjoyed it. It was, and I think they did it pre-COVID. So I did it no. during danger zone. Um, and that's when, you know, it was, I didn't see anybody. And I had a jacket on that says, don't talk to me. And I had a hood <laughs> and I had a visor and a mask and it was, uh, and I did not get sick. And they, they, they have never shut down the, 
production because they know how to do it. But Mickey worked at it. It was the only time where he took off the mask and then everyone screamed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, we do, this podcast is called Great News with Kevin and Mike. Yes. And we like to bring stories that are positive. Right. Uh, we were just talking about COVID and you mentioned that you're going to get your vaccine shot soon, right? Yes, and I'm not cutting line. I'm doing it like a, a good uh, American patriot, but I'm going to be 65 in a couple months and that uh, allows me to get it. So I'm asking Bob's for it. Be 65. It, it, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? How can that you look be? good, man. I was telling you that before we went on. You look, you do look fantastic. Thank you. I lotion everything but my face. Well, look, here's my first story involves getting the vaccine. And okay. in Oregon, healthcare workers were stranded in a snowstorm in their cars. And they had six doses that would run out if they didn't give them to people. Oh, they, they were stranded on, in, in route to deliver the vaccine. Or from. Oh, my gosh. So they had six doses left. And I'm not kidding when I say they walked and knocked on went car windows of random strangers of other people that were also snuck in the snow because they, they would have gone bad right yes oh my god How were any of those people you... sat living in their cars i mean it was it no no they were all stuck in a snowstorm oh my i just god. i can't imagine somebody walking up with a syringe right and going hey uh sorry this is gonna go bad do you mind i did no, that no. back when i was dealing i did that <laughs> right. You said free samples? Yeah. Free samples, you go. Same, and same needle. And everybody was cool with it. <laughs> Here's the story with Don Lemon from CNN. Let's watch. In the middle of the chaos of the COVID vaccine rollout and supply shortages, a vaccinating team in Oregon got stuck in a snowstorm on a highway on Tuesday. Their doses were about to expire. So they set up in an impromptu clinic, knocking on car windows and vaccinating stranded drivers with the remaining supply not wasting a single dose. So let's bring in uh, Leah Swanson, the Josephine County Emergency Preparedness Coordinator, and Michael Weber, the County Public Health Director. Good evening. I can only imagine. Hey, we want to give you an injection, a, a, a vaccine. <laughs> yeah, right. Get away from my car. But it was real. Good to see both of you. Thank you for coming on. Mike, so you and your team were, were driving back from a mass vaccination clinic when about 20 of you got stuck in the storm. You had six doses of the vaccine left um, that you were set to, that were set to expire. What happened? Did you get any of the response? Like I said, like, oh, right. Get away from my car or no. Tell me what happened. Uh, there was a, a couple of folks who uh, waved us along, and, and I wouldn't say everybody was thrilled, but uh, <laughs> not many were actually like that. M most folks were skeptical at first, then they found it kind of funny, and, and they said, uh, thanks, but uh, no thanks. So, yeah, they went and they knocked on car windows. Yeah. And I've been saying forever, because I got COVID twice, I would take the first vaccine that comes along from the first doctor that wants to give it to me. I'm ready. I don't care about the vaccine. I don't care about dangerous and all that kind of stuff. Just whatever happens, give me a vaccine. I'm good. But I knock on the car window. No way. I mean, I think if you live in Grants Pass, Oregon, you're maybe accustomed to a different lifestyle than I am. But I can tell you right now, if I'm on the 405 and a dude knocks on my window and he's like, let me inject you. Yeah. He's going to the he's going to jail i know bob uh, would love that well that's bob what i'm saying strangers. yeah i disagree with you guys totally i think anybody that comes up to you with a needle 
uh, no matter how shady they look, you accept it into your body, into your arm. No, I just wanted to disagree. I have no argument whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, that, that's my take on penis, but not needles. You, you, want a need, you want a needle? You offer it up. I'm accepting it in my body. You would allow a needle in your penis? I'm not clear. I'm or your penis, is, your penis is a needle? I would allow penis to enter me, Bob. That would be like looking for your penis in a haystack. <laughs> it so is, none, it's so, crazy. It's crazy. So just to clarify, none of us would accept this. No, 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 no way. No way. No way. Six, no how. 20 cars, six people said, yes, that's fine. Give me the vaccine. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that don't. Story. A lot of people don't want the vaccine, and I think they should get it. Uh, you know, it's just. But I, I do can't. too. But I do too, Bob. But I don't know that I want someone knocking on my car window. Is all I'm saying. If they crawled into the trunk and came out of in the car, uh, just out of nowhere, then I would think it was the universe aligning. <laughs> okay, and then you would go, yes, please. Absolutely. You open the glove box, and like thing from the Adams family comes out holding a needle. You take that. I, yeah, I agree. So if you did that, you earned it. You earned the right. Uh, Kevin, we've oftentimes had so much fun with ridiculous uh, names for sexual positions. Yes. Um, the West Side Glaze, sure. a favorite of ours, the chocolate pizza. I don't like the chocolate pizza. I'm just going to go on record right now. I always thought it was fantastic. I, I, I've always wanted to coin my own, the Foxito. I told you about that. I yes, I like that. Um, I was told this was PG-13, and I'm yes, offended. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. What is a chocolate pizza? What is a chocolate pizza? You don't want to know. The chocolate... <sighs> Why would you ask that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's nothing like the rusty trombone. Can right? I show Bob a picture without it getting on the cameras for everybody else? No. No, they could no. barely get the sound. Don't try. Okay. No. Um, well... <laughs> that would take us another hour and a half, Bob. I'm going to tell you about Dancing Chuck. Okay. Not a sex move, even though it sounds like one. Dancing Chuck. Dancing Chuck is something much, much better. Check it out. Right? Could you see that video, Bob? I could, and he's fantastic. Yeah. You know, he's 34 years old. <laughs> he's just done a lot of dancing. If I were in the neighborhood, I would have a boombox with that song on, and I would constantly get him to come back like out four and dance. in the morning. I'd be like, "Let's go, let's go, come on, dancing Chuck." <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what quarantine has done to us. That's the most amusing part of our day. Yes, literally. Agreed. And he's got a he's he has uh he's known for his posture. That's sad actually, because my grandfather <laughs> That's true. It's true. had that. He, he was actually born spine first. <laughs> All wrong. right, our next our next story is just as bizarre, maybe more. Okay. Two Nashville guys that have been friends forever. Yes. Here's the headline: Nashville friends find joy in weekly high five. Come on. Here's the video. Weirdest thing. You see that? Clap, snap, high five. Then, oh, often, the they sit. Pause, yes. 
they leave their houses at the same time. They walk about a mile and a half. When they cross the street, they snap, clap, and high five. And, and that brings them endless joy. And that obviously will also give them the coronavirus because they're not masked <laughs> and they're touching each other. So they're really just taking their chances every day. It's to prove the quickest point. way to get Corona from somebody else. Right. Is taking it, taking a walk is political. <laughs> is it just that there's something to look forward to and, and the sharing of the. I would assume so, but um, they're not six. No. They're grown ass men. So it seems odd that they would have their own little high five move. I, I have an answer to this, and I think it's yes. everybody's living to have a viral moment. Um, well, that could be. And that's what, it, that's what it is. They, they got a thing they're doing, which is amazingly uh, weird. Um, I will but say it, this. This is very Nashville. Very Nashville. In that I, I love the city of Nashville. I have long Same. before it was ever cool. And, um, I, I am always, like, honestly, a little bit shocked that you walk down the street and people, perfect strangers are like, hey, how hey, y'all? Yeah, and it you're is. like, oh, hey, hey man. And but this isn't a step further? I'm just saying that they, there does seem to be, like, a real sense of community and, like, uh, um, uh, that Southern charm is very strong in Nashville, so. That's true. That's true. I think right. also human contact is so needed right now. That yeah, they, they literally, in addition to having a thing that can go viral and everybody, and it's, you know, the reason right. you have it is because they're looking at it, is they have I, a moment of connection. I, I did want to get all the jokes out before the story turns. Oh, it turns. <laughs> yes, it turns. Dude, does one of them die soon? Your body. You're right. We should have been doing that this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and pick up the phone is great, but I've got a friend who literally will walk through the rain and the snow just to give me a high five. And I wish everybody could feel that feeling. Andy and Gabe are musicians in Nashville. They met at a concert in 2000 and became friends. They got together on occasion, but not as often as they would have liked. So they invented this bit of silliness seven years ago as a way of guaranteeing they see each other at least once a week. So this is the high five journal. Andy has a log of every encounter. <laughs> All right, hold up, hold up. Dude keeps a journal. He keeps a high five journal. He keeps oh. a high five journal. Oh. There's hundreds of entries. I'm looking at the, there's, it's endless. It's, it's endless. It, it's beautiful. I mean, he's like a Herman Melville of walking. <laughs> All right, let's continue with the video. He's a hipster Herman Melville. Well, and robbed him of his past. I pretty much forgot my life. Your whole life? Yeah. And that's when his buddy Andy, now a virtual stranger, came to visit said, well, Gabe, this is going to sound really weird, but I need you to do something for me. Give me a high five. And he was like, okay. When the moment happened, my body just did what it's been doing for years. <laughs> Clap, snap, high five. That was in September. Since then, a lot of his memories have returned, but few more cherished than this silly tradition, which doesn't seem quite so silly anymore. It's really special to have something, have a memory of something. <laughs> To have something that's this consistent in my life, that means this much. Andy even wrote a song about their ritual. So take a walk with me on Monday morning. It's a reminder that going out of your way for someone is still the straightest path to an everlasting friendship.
knowing small things matter. How bizarre is that? It's really that it no sort of spurred his memory. That's amazing. Oh, it's it's that's remarkable. That's a really remarkable story, and I cannot believe that it, a story about high five. Thank you very much. Was that good? I mean, that was a really remarkable story, and I love seeing that. It's it's a weird thing because it it's either exploitive or mishandled a lot, but when it's right, it's really touching to see straight guys like showing love for each other. You know, it, it, it's really special like that. You, you could tell how how affected he was at a point where he probably thought maybe this is the end for me to have that guy do that to him. It, it meant it meant the world to him. And, yeah. and I was also he's good. They were good at singing. I was yeah, I wasn't bad. Pleasantly surprised. Yes, Bob. Well, I just feel terrible because here I was thinking they were just doing this to go viral, and instead he he got a virus of sorts, and um, I I it's very emotional. Um, and there's no and by the way, it doesn't state that they're not gay in it. I just wanted to be clear there. Um, I mean, they did have families with wives and kids. Yeah, well, I, mean, I did. You know, look that's at their a, children and wives. I did make visual contact with them. It could be a beard. Pictures. Um, it. Could be a beard. I mean, it, if they, I, mean, I think you're right because it's not like they would walk past each other and just tap wieners and then move on. <laughs> but um, it's really I, very, very when, amazing. When the, the lockdown ends, Bob, I'll do anything to walk a walk by somewhere like Malibu and just whack wieners with you. Well, I've, I've got Stamos already booked. So, damn it. Oh, so but close. He, and he wins. If you have the chance to knock wieners with Stamos, you choose Stamos. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Bob's in with either of you. I no, I, I am moved by that story and thrown. I made snarky comments and I feel bad about it. Oh, it's... no, I set you guys up yeah. by stopping the video so that we could make fun of them, knowing okay. that it does turn and become beautiful. All right, here's a story, Bob and Kevin, that right out of the gate, you know, there's no fun to be made. Okay. This is just straight out tearjerker beautiful. And it's an amazing story of life. Turns out when a baby is given birth to, also a friendship can be given birth to as well. Please look. How the birth of a daughter became the birth of a friendship is our story from Steve Hartman. For ICU nurse Caitlin Obrock, the last year has been a blur. She has treated hundreds of COVID patients here at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis but she says one patient stands above. Um, from the very beginning, Monique was special to me. 28-year-old Monique Jones came to the hospital deathly ill from COVID and six months pregnant. The baby was priority over her. She would do anything for her baby. Eventually, Monique had to be intubated, but Caitlin still talked to her, prayed over her countless hours. And when doctors decided the only hope for mother and child was an emergency C-section, Caitlin made a promise. And I was like, if Monique makes it, we're gonna throw her the biggest baby shower there is to have. A promise she joyfully kept when Zamira arrived. All two pounds, five ounces of her. I just started crying as soon as I saw everything. Like this couldn't be for me. <laughs> Caitlin raised thousands of dollars from friends, family, and coworkers. And even though her favorite patients are now out of the hospital, oh my God. Caitlin still visits regularly. It's so big. Has to. <laughs> She's the godmother and Monique's new best friend. I never really felt that special to somebody. I really needed somebody like her. It's important, especially after such a god awful week, 
to know that while all this was happening, so was this. While chaos reigned in Washington, compassion ruled in this corner of the heartland and across the country because the soul of America can't be ransacked. And the solution to what ails us, sure as heck, isn't under a dome. It's not a matter of politics, it's just a matter of loving people. That's what we need. Um, the days that I feel like I can't go anymore, through those hard days when I don't think my patient's gonna make it, um, that I just know there's another Monique that needs us. And there's your battle cry, America, for an uprising of kindness. <laughs> Boom, there's your battle cry, Bob and Kevin. Yeah. An uprising of kindness. Yeah, I couldn't agree that more. Was, that was sweet. Kevin's gonna cry. Yes, I got him. What, that was very sweet. Yes, yes, Bob, this is the first time I got Kevin to cry. Because <laughs> I've cried like three times. This is the first time I got him. It's oh, that's really sweet. It was. It's, it's really emotional. And I don't know if I should say this here, but I'm the father of that child. You are. <laughs> Have you made contact with the birth mother? Of course, of course. I, I accept all responsibility. It, it's also impossible because I had a vasectomy, so I don't know how it happened. Uh, and also, I've never met her. So um, <laughs> some people ask for an 8 by 10 in the mail, but I, I send all kinds of materials. You're amazing that you never met her, and yet you made her pregnant. Yeah, yeah, because I have a, the refrigerated case that I got from my Pfizer vaccine, and I keep a sample of my own uh, seed, and I mail that to people. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you did that for real. That would be... <laughs> That would be on the news. That would be great news. That would be a great story for that you. That would be so fun. I have to say that that hit me on so many levels. One, obviously the story itself, that just the kindness, the giving, the fact that these two adults then became close friends and she's the godmother of the child now. But also it made me think like a hundred and something years ago, that was like kind of the norm where mom goes, might not make it out of here, but make sure you save my baby. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Like, it's so crazy that that's how birth used to be. I, yeah, I had 12, I, I was, I've given birth 12 times. I have four children, you know, you know how it goes. It's 1860, that's, that's yeah. life. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so weird. And the reporter, yeah. Ellen, she looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long year for Ellen. It's been a long year for everyone. I mean, it's, it's a, and that's well, a recent, that's a recent story. It's a recent story, right? Yeah, no, that was like, uh, I believe, uh, two two weeks ago. And yeah, because they put in all of the capital, capital stuff, yeah. storming right, capital right, right. stuff. I couldn't, uh, yeah, I just, I saw the clip, but I didn't, I couldn't see it on my tiny screen, how intricate that was, if it was, yes. a, yeah, very Bob, moving. Bob, tell us about your, uh, tell us about your podcast. Well, it's Bob Saget's Here For You, and yes. I started it, um, I think, in April of, uh, of, of the 2020, and I wanted to do it, um, in 2019, I was figuring out who to do it with, and I'd do it with uh, Studio 71. And I just wanted to do it because I was out touring and feeling the temperature of the country, not uh, in person, you know, not with a rectal thermometer. I was just, I, I could tell from the audiences and from the people I met how, how the split people were and how some people were angry in the audience. And my job is to have fun and make them give them fun and and have a sense of unity in the room and i accomplished that but it didn't stop me from realizing something was wrong especially in places that had a lot of racial 
anger and stuff. So I just thought of doing something healing, kind of what you're doing here. I mean, good news is, is not all the stuff we watch all day long. Um, and so I started the podcast and had a lot of, of course, Stamos of my first guest. And I've had some wonderful people, Tiffany Haddish and Whoopi Goldberg and Jake Tapper and Norman Lear. And I had David Portnoy. I just had John Lovitz on, can't have everything. And I had, um, you know, people that I love, Bill Burr, Mark Marin, um, Regina Hall. It's, it's really just what you've all, both always Can done. I list our... Could I list our guests? Please. Bob Saget. <laughs> well, you've got, you keep me in the, uh, the annals of your vault of tape. Um, <laughs> not of tape, of hard drive material. That's what I am now. I'm particles. You're going to have everybody. You'll have everybody. You've got so many loyal friends uh, for all your years of broadcasting. So this is, I'm honored to be here. With you guys. Well, Bob, we appreciate it because behind the scenes, it did take us about four hours to get things working. This and, is the longest Zoom of my life. <laughs> Wait, real quick though, before we let you go, and uh, Kevin's right. I mean, it was really nice of you to sit through all the technical difficulties we had and, and then to come and hang out with us and be our first guest. Dirty Daddy, I'm yeah. looking at, is the book that we can expect very soon, uh, available for pre-order as we speak. No, you're Googling something from uh, years ago, but it was a New York Times bestseller and, um, and I'm proud of it. It's, it's, not a, um, it's a little bit memoir, a little bit stream of consciousness. When I did my first book talk for it years ago, I was at the 92nd Street Y with John Oliver and he interviewed me and he, this is how old the book is, it was right before he was about to start uh, last week tonight. So it was, wow. he was literally writing the first episode when he was uh, interviewing me about the book. And and do we, you take full responsibility for his success? Completely. Um, Clearly, yeah. No, he, well, he's, you know, he's just, he's great. You know, you I know, just great. adore him. My man, but, Kevin, uh, writing a book right now, Bob. I am, I'm but, writing a book. What is it, Kevin? It's about my time at the radio station. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm writing a book. I'm Sell it as a movie done. too. Do, do it like the movie FM back in the day. Uh, with Joe Montaigne and uh, great reference, and I Martin, mean, I, Martin I thought I'd make it central to my story, but no, I mean, do it, make it a movie. Be. I'm saying make it, make a movie, oh, I make see, make a movie. like yeah. private parts. Like Stern did a movie based on Got his, it, and then Don Cheadle will be you, sure, and then you can have you know, I'm down, Ken Jong as Bean. <laughs> 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 that's I think you that's important to change it up from, from your own personal reality. Correct. But um, it's, it's hard to write a book. Are you disciplined? Do you do the four hours a day writing? It's super. It takes a super amount of discipline, and I'm not great at it. I've like I say, I'm about ninety percent done. About a month ago, I was about ninety percent done. So I'm, I'm sure it's got a lot of seriousness in it and comedy as well. It's got both, yeah. That's what my book was. It was, it was a Dirty Daddy. A lot of the a, stuff from of that, because I, because we started in 1990. So there's a lot of stuff that maybe people who listened to us last year or whatever don't know anything about. So it's all behind the scenes of that kind of stuff. Right. Well, I can't. You're wait. in it. Uh, I you can't are, wait to read it. it. Do you talk about the, about the about the K Rock? Um, April Foolishness, where Brad Williams and Stamos, is it is that in there? It isn't yet, but it will be. <laughs> you know, what was funny is um, 
Larry King was oh. there that night. That's right. And I, I offered have... Brad Williams $500 to go hump his leg. Well, I have a story about that also, because Larry okay. King opened that up at the Gibson Amphitheater. He was the first uh -huh. comedian. Everybody went, what is he doing? Because he doesn't do stand-up. But Larry wanted to do it. And I remember him telling me to have um, kids again. And I went, I don't know. You know, I'm 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 going to be 60 or I don't know. How many years ago was that? Eight years ago? Seven? About that. Ten? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think it was 10 years ago. I think it was a little less. I think I could be wrong, but um, but Larry um, was saying you got to have kids. You got to have more kids. And as he's telling me that, he had a nosebleed. So literally, Stamos and I are standing there, and blood is pouring out of his nose. And I said, "But I'm worried about getting old. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine." And blood—it was like a Monty Python sketch. Blood <laughs> is just pouring out of his nose. My boys are at the show tonight. I'm like, oh my god. Can they stop your nosebleed? <laughs> he tried to tell me it was the altitude at the Gibson Amphitheater. <laughs> Which is practically sea what? level. Yeah. Um, who knew that Larry King was like an NBA player from the 90s? It's like, you got to have more kids. Sounds yeah. like a good idea. Well, he loved it. And I think his kids really did um, enrich his life tremendously. And uh, he is a huge loss. He was a, a very special yeah. guy. And he was always so kind to me. I had a dinner with him. Not, you know, I mean... Two years ago and and uh then he wow. started to decline and couldn't do much he would go to craig's still um and then he was in a wheelchair and but he kept doing his show you know god bless him so i feel like we're ending on a on a low note now yeah let's add that on a high note yeah we're, we're all on. high and cheery well they should have seen us at the tech rehearsal for this <laughs> <laughs> it, it for the actually first day and a half of tech rehearsals Actually, the beginning of the tech rehearsal for this uh, episode started when they put, started quarantine. That's how long it's been. <laughs> That's correct. This Thank is you, Bob. March. You're the man, dude. Bob, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show. You're the best. Well, I love you. I love you. And we I love, love you both. And I like being called the man because sometimes that didn't happen in prison. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, you got an outro for us? I do. <clears throat> Outro! You know what I'm talking about, bro! Yeah! Say hello to the happy goodbye to the blues, cause Bob and Kevin and Mike just gave you great news! Rock your dome! Yeah, down now. Good God, y'all. Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news! Nice! <laughs>